Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Uh, whilst it's going on, we're losing the body. And welcome to the Empire Dynasty League podcast. We're back again for the 14th episode this week. Got Ben here, Keeney, as always. How are you, mate? Good, Ben. How you going, mate? How you going, Hod? What's happening? Very good, boys. It's uh, we've got a new U.S. president. It's very topical, oh, and uh, I'm just just based off the two glorious candidates. I was very surprised that another delusional uh, member of this league wasn't putting his hand up to run. Uh, could you? Think of who I'm talking about, boys. <laughs> There's a number of candidates well, that could fit into yeah. that mould there, but uh, surely it's a, a bloke who has... He loves a call-out on this episode. On has this delusions of how his team's actually travelling, has fictional members that seem to care about his team. Is that who you were sort of thinking in the vein of? I, I think we can all agree <laughs> on who it is. Sorry, does Joe, does Joe Biden have a, a footprint for how he's going to run the country? <laughs> No, but he has a factory. <laughs> he does. The The interesting thing about Joe Biden is he's the same age as Papa's quarterbacks. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> there's always that to look forward to in your future planning. That's a great segue there because they get a run uh, later on. There was a juicy matchup between For the quarterback change. lover himself, Keeney, and the... Uh, Ageless wonders. but Nice little teaser up. there at the top of the pod. But you can give us a shout out on Twitter and Instagram. Make sure we're seeing plenty more people sign up to our Instagram page just to see those juicy memes that Hod likes to drop on there. Um, but speaking of drops. Every newsman in this city is laughing at us. And I don't like it. Antonio Brown makes his long-awaited return to the NFL. Uh, he was drafted by... One of our own members, Keeney, on draft day slash night slash weeks, whatever, however long that bloody thing took. Uh, and he's been sitting there just tucked away. And finally, we will sort of get into trades, but he's now on Papa's list, which we'll get into in a bit. But what are our expectations for Antonio Brown um, returning to the NFL and on this Bucks team that is looking pretty good at the moment? What do you think, Hod? Uh, it's actually... Topical for me, I've got this game in our punters league. So I was looking at this over under 41 and a half receiving yards. I think I think Brady's obviously infatuated with him. I think they'll be really keen to come out and put a show on with him, with this offense and um, get him involved pretty early just to prove that they've done the right thing by the team. Uh, so I, I like the over here, but very interesting pick by Ukini in the 14th round, I believe it was, in the starter. Um, so talk us through the the trade, even. Yeah, um, just in terms of expectations for him first, um, I kind of, I'm with you a little bit there. I think the only, the only thing hurting the over 41 and a half is the fact that if he's not playing that many snaps, if he's, if he's limited on a snap count, um, other than that, I agree, I think he's going to be a part of this offense. I think it's good. Good news for, for Bucks fans or for Antonio Brown fans that we haven't really heard much from him. Um, I think that's a positive going forward because <laughs> we know point. what he can be like. In terms, of, in terms of Dynasty, yeah, I took him in the, I think it was 14th round. Um, 
sort of for this situation, I wasn't um, with the with the makeup of my team. It was always going to be a, a plan to try and offload him to a to a contending team and see what I could get for him. Um, we'll get to the the trade news in a sec, but I ended up getting a second, gave back a fourth. So to turn that into a second, I'm I'm reasonably happy with it. Is in 2022, so bit of a risk in terms of what Papa's team looks like in 2022, but um, we'll, we'll come to that when we get to it. Well, I think, you know, gone are the days where he's that number one and you could probably argue that his mental state can't handle that anymore. So I think he landed on a really great team because the offense's potential probably boosted that stock up uh, a bit, whether there is Evans and Godwin or whoever else there. But I think, I think the Bucks will get him involved over the likes of Scotty Miller and whoever else they have there. Well, the irony is that Papper is the Scotty Miller owner. So while he's increased the stocks in Antonio Brown, it's probably decreased his Scotty Miller stocks. But I agree. I think that with him, uh, Evans, Godwin, it's going to be... Oh, and Gronk as well, who's starting to see plenty more targets and catches. It's going to be a lot to share around. It could just be a carousel each week, that team of who's the hot hand and who gets the targets. But... We'll have to wait and see. We'll, we'll go to the injury news because there's a few uh, things to get through. So we'll cross to our resident doctor in uh, Dr. Hoddick. Give us some of your updates here. So the big one is George Kittle. Um, they're reporting season over up to eight weeks, but not, well, whether you're in the hunt or not, Keeney, I don't think it matters for you, but I, I actually see this a lot less than what it is. Um, it was a really positive fracture if you like to a bone in the foot that can heal pretty quickly so i would if kittle came out and said i'll be back in two weeks i don't think that'll be the case but i'd (laughs) I'd definitely say four to six um might be likely there goliday out again um with a hip two to four weeks uh zeke's out with a hammy and they, we often hear coach speak. They're always optimistic. So the alarm bells rang yesterday when uh, McCartney, is that his name? Um, he came out and said, actually, it's not looking great for Zeke. And the other one, the trade bell man himself, Gaskin, uh, minutes after Ben put him on the trade block in the app, uh, he it came out that he did an MCL or sprained an MCL last week late in the game, so he's on IR for so three to four weeks, looking likely. So that's a bit of blo- a bit of a blow to your hopes there, Ben. Possibly, but yeah. It's ignoring, not. It's not yeah. great considering the trade deadline's coming up next week. <laughs> exactly. Um, but yeah, we'll wait and see. Well, speaking of coming back, here we go with CMC. He's off IR. Uh, it'll be interesting to see um, how conservative they are with him. Um, but as, as we talked about last week, Mike Davis looks to be slowing down, but I think he still will be involved somewhat. And also the big return, Michael Thomas is back. So Manny will be loving life there to get back the number four pick in the draft. Um, and Godwin's back from a little broken finger. He'll be playing with a splint. Um, but... Last but not least, big Sammy Darnold. Uh, he is also out, which flows into the first piece of league news. Could not have timed that better, Hod. Thomas the Tank, he's just revving up his engine at the moment with his old tricks. Uh, over the next two weeks, we're likely to see the old QB donut from the DFF. So he's got Darnold out this week, then on by. 
Jimmy G has been placed on IR with that ankle injury and, you know, he could go to his bench uh, and look to Jacob Eason and maybe just put him in, you know, just for a safe zero. Maybe that's what he's hoping for out of Jacob Eason. <laughs> it's, it, it's, yeah, he'll, he'll put some whatever Trump spin on it that he tends to do with all of his, um, all of his ordinary list building skills, but uh, we'll have to wait and see how he handles this one, Keeney. Well, we'll get to young Darnell Mooney later, but I don't think he's going to elevate Jacob Eason onto his onto his main squad, Benjamin. I think that's wishful thinking. He, uh, this is a bloke who dropped a QB who at the time was actually playing, so <laughs> who knows what he's going to do. It's not looking good. He's pretty much shoring up the fact that he'll never win a game. Uh, we might have to start a market of when, when he will get a win ever in this league. Could be a long way off. But let's launch into uh, our trades that went on. There were three trades this week. We actually forgot this one that we'll start off with. And that's because pretty much right after we hopped off the pod last week, Keeney floated that you know there was a bit of a fire sale going on for the San Diego Demons. And lo and behold, we jump off the pod. And guess who's pulled off a trade with Camo? And that is Christopher Keane himself has just gone and uh, got Damian Harris into his lineup and given Camo a 2021 and a 2022 third round pick as a result. So, Keeney, what, uh, give us just some insight into how that all went down. Uh, so, I was, I was talking to Camo prior to the pod about um, Damien Harris and he was keen to kind of offload him if he could get some picks in. I think he was um, obviously looking to, to build some draft capital there. Um, he wanted initially wanted a bit more than what we settled on and we kind of put it to bed and left it at that. Um, did the podcast and then I just counted with with two threes. And the beauty of with trading with Camo, if you ever get involved with Camo, he's great. You can If you send him a counter, he won't even get back to you. He'll just either accept it or, the, or reject it. <laughs> so all of a sudden I got the notification that a trade's been processed. I'm like, oh, this could be me here, but I had no idea. So I <laughs> opened up the app and sure enough, there, there it was. He, he accepted it. So he's, he's good like that. Um, yeah, I think reasonably fair value. He's he's a young running back in a New England system, which is a little bit of a concern for me because, um, you know, with the Pats, it, typically it's hard to predict who the, the main man's going to be. But I think he's had a pretty good year and he's young, so I was willing to take a risk on a couple of third-rounders that who knows kind of what kind of players they would be. So, Well, I was going to throw it out to you live on the pod that uh, if you're looking to build up a collection of New England running backs, come and see me because I can help complete your set. Uh, we've got Sony Michelle, Rex, Flexi Rex just sitting there. So, yeah, come and let me know. I'm more than happy to well, chat. Between the three of us, we have them all because Cam's also a running back. He's <laughs> not much of a quarterback at the moment, but he's a running back for sure. Yeah. Well, then you'll have to see Jake about James White as well. If you really do want to just collect that entire backfield there, which is yeah. usually a mess to try and predict. I mean, I mean it was a pretty unsexy trade. From both both parties, I know that, but I think it was pretty fair for both teams. So, yeah, nice. Good. We did speak about it at the top of the show that Antonio Brown going to Papa's team and a 2021 fourth rounder, and Keeney, you got a 2022 second rounder as a result there, which kind of aligns with everything that you're doing. If you actually look at the draft picks that you're building up, a lot of them are in that 2022 draft there. So. You're up to, what, four first-rounders and now is it three second-rounders in that draft? No, just the one because I traded out. Oh, you um, traded one out. A two to get to get a one. But, um, 
Yeah, sort of kind of building towards that draft while holding a couple of picks this year. Um, I'm hoping I'm a little healthier next year to, to get me by. Um, but just with this one, I think it made sense again for both teams. Papa clearly needed a wide receiver if he's going to win it this year. And he's taking a little bit of a risk, which is, which is fine. But he hasn't really given up too much, really. He gets a pick this year. Um, and I have to wait a whole year to get kind of his pick in return. Plus, he gets Antonio. So a bit of a, bit of a risky play, but that's kind of what you need to do. You're getting in early on the scouting front there, Keeney, because we've we've got another fantastic scout in this league who's who's looking at Tua's brother already. I'm sure you two <laughs> could, could collaborate on your scouting gonna, reports for that. I was gonna mention that same bloke will also be competing pretty heavily with you in the twenty twenty two draft, won't he? <laughs> well, yeah. And the twenty twenty three and the twenty twenty four. For mine it kind of it's more just building assets. It allows you to be aggressive from a trade point of view next year. Um, it not, doesn't necessarily mean I'll go to the draft with all those ones. It means I can use them to, to actually get in and grab players that I like if, if possible. So we'll see how that goes. Nice. And to round out our last trade, we had three that went down this week, Jim and Tim, the Jim Tim show. Jim got uh, Sanders and a 2021 third rounder from Timos and Tim got... 2021 second rounder and a 2021 fourth rounder. So just offloading a manual and shoring up some draft stock there. And uh, for Tim, who traded out his second round pick back in the draft, that's him getting back into that second round there. Um, and I guess he's probably hoping that Jim maybe holds his current standing. So it's an earlier second round pick. It's just it's just an interesting one. With it, does it signal some some kind of intent um, from from both teams here? Uh, well, more probably more specifically with Jim, is that Jim kind of we talked about it before the pod. Is Jim think he's kind of he's a chance to to sneak into that six seed or five seed now, um, and maybe he's trying to trying to get some some depth in his wide receiver position. Kind of, I was in a similar boat last week with Damien Harris. I thought, you know, if I did beat Papa, then maybe I'm a chance to get there. And now I've kind of got some more depth. So it's with this trade deadline coming up in I think it's five days now, 13th of November. Um, it's really interesting to see those teams that are fringe, borderline, six seed, five seed, kind of see if they actually choose one way or the other um, in terms of their roster. So I think with Jim, the reality is anyone in that division can be eyeing off the fourth seed as well. Um, mm. You know, yep. Camo is only one win off Hod there in first place in that division. Jim's only two wins off, I think. So... Yeah, it's really, it's a division that's up for grabs. So it's uh, how that we'll get into the division breakdowns a bit later, but the, the seeding is going to be very, very interesting. Teams that were sort of looking short up to be the one or two seed now could be dropping to the five or six seed if they're in tough divisions. So we'll get into our reviews, however, from week eight. What was that? I heard something, then I saw something. You didn't hear anything, man. Kick it off, Hod. We will... With your very own Park City Lions. <laughs> oh wow! How's the enthusiasm? We will. I was, uh, I, I was trying to find the score from last week. <laughs> Bit of a mad scramble, but um, we had the Park City Lions prevail one seventeen over the Johnny Unitas haircuts one oh seven, and I predicted this incorrectly again. I'm on a, a real streak here, and and rightly so. Manny wasn't impressed after I picked him on the pod last week um, because I'm six on the trot, losing these bloody things. So the quarterbacks though did prove to be in favour of Manny, um, which was thought to be, uh, but unfortunately 
that was where it ended for him. Um, Ben's youth continues to carry his team with strong showings from Gaskin, Fulgham, Ayuk and Hawkinson. And for Manny, it was quite the opposite. His stars in Russ and Tyreek and to a lesser extent Burrow all came through, but sadly that's where it ended for him. Um, other than McKinnon, uh, who got 11.9, every other score was single digits. So not much backup from the whole squad. But MT's return could not come at a better time for Manny uh, as he's right in the thick of this Bo Callahan division, as, as you mentioned there, Ben. So only two games separate Scoot from Manny. And that's first and fourth in that division. And who would have thought ever since the Lions held the press conference at Park City announcing the trade of Robinson, uh, sending the signals to the faithful that it's all about next year and the year after that and we're in a really healthy position to succeed in the future and blah, blah, blah. Well, the players have rebutted here and to a record of three and one since that trade. And you're now firmly in the mix here, Ben. And I know that there are already whispers. We, we don't have a grapevine segment this week, but this is as close as you get. There are already whispers of next year coming out of OJ's legal team. So I very much look forward to seeing who runs away with this division in five weeks' time. And just a little quick thought on you boys. Who would have thought number one would be talking about next year already? <laughs> uh, just quietly, uh, I think it would be a fantastic result if... Uh... Sorry, Jake, but if you led so strongly at the start of the year, drafted so strongly, everyone had high hopes for your team and you didn't even finish in the top two of your division, that would be uh, a rather comical finish of the year because it just highlights that's how ridiculous fantasy can be each year. Um, yeah, same record as, as Jake, the old Park City Pups or Cubs or whatever everyone was trying to call my team there. And I've got the same record as who consensus was the number one team going into the season. So it's uh, it's a strange game. I, I do think it's a generous five and three, I'll be honest. My, my <laughs> record at the moment, uh, but I'll take it. Why not? Because I've still yeah, got draft absolutely. picks and I'm still in the hunt and that's probably what everyone's hoping for. And I'll just quickly point out that you don't, don't need to be top two in the division, though. You can sneak in a little six seed there from anywhere. So I think Jake's still well and truly in the mix. Um, Am I right, Keeney, in going it's the, the fifth? Well, wait, because there's only three divisions. So uh, the fourth and the fifth seed are the next best record, and then the sixth seed is the best score, isn't it? No, yeah. so it's oh. nah, it's the, the, the fourth seed is the, the next most wins. Oh, and the fifth and sixth are high scores. Fifth and sixth are the high scores. Uh-huh. So, okay. Um, if, J- so if Jake, Jake, Jake should be fine because he scored enough points so far. So as long as he keeps scoring, if he if he stops scoring eighties again, Jake. Nah. Well, that's wins. that's shit because I thought it was. Uh, <laughs> I thought there were two spots for record, and I was into the chance. I'm not into <laughs> the chance of scoring. I only asked for a little snippet, and you go on a five minute tangent about your team. So I had to hey. pull you back a bit there, Ben. I didn't mention Justin Herbert, though, so it's yeah. always that. <laughs> oh, you did now. Oh, but we'll oops. move on to uh, the Grouse, who's, who put up an 84 against Papa's Punishers, 124.26. And I, w- I was excited by the proposition of what could have laid out last week in this matchup. If the Grouse could have squeezed, squeezed it out 
uh, things would have been awfully interesting in the headlines this week and probably on this pod. But the Punishers did what they needed to do here. They methodically plucked the wings of the grouse position by position. It has been this kind of year when Justin Jackson is quadrupling the output of JT Seps, who has to be a concern for the grouse at the moment. He's not delivering what looked like a mouth-watering proposition earlier in the year when Mac went down, but plenty of time for the young fella to turn it around behind that line. And I think we can all agree there was extra motivation here in the opposing quarterback rooms. Papa coming up against their biggest naysayer, the old reliables in Brady and Breeze put up respectable days whilst the young bucks for the grouse shit their nappies. Perhaps Keeney played into the emotional battle here a little too far as he rolled out Tua in his debut, who was ordinary at best. And while we're talking about Tua, the, the Tua versus Herbert debate will live on for many years. And there was one pick between them in the NFL draft and there was only five picks between them in our startup draft by the GMs that sit here with me today. So uh, Herbert, we'll just revisit back. Herbert got told 10 minutes before his first NFL start, he was being rolled out against the NFL's best team in the Chiefs. And he stood toe to toe with Mahomes and held his own, and hasn't done much wrong since. And the on the other side, the much maligned decision to commit to Tua two weeks ago to give him 10 days of prep for his first start, and he looked like a poor man's Drew Brees going for 93 yards on 22 attempts. So it's obviously early days, very early here, but this this comparison shapes up to be an interesting one for many years to come. And I'm sure it will be with you two as well, being the owners. Mm. Yeah, it's a fair point. I think um, whilst my QBs shat their nappies this week, I think both of uh, Papa's QBs will be in nappies in an old person's home next year. So <laughs> we'll see how that goes. Let's move on to the next game. The circle of was- life. The circle of life. It's a beautiful thing. The San Diego Demons 115 knocked off the Dingers, 97. Bit of an upset here. What a the week is a long time in fantasy. I'll tell you what, here we were last week, kind of Camo, you know, saying how how stiff he's been with scores against. And and here we are with the Dingers, one of the, the top seeds only putting up a 97. He didn't have a great week, but um I think for for Camo, whilst he's still a little way off competing for that wildcard spot, he's currently about 120 points behind Papa for that sixth seed. Could this result be the glimmer of hope that the San Diego Demons were after and what they needed? I mean, there's a case to be made here that he could now be aiming at the four seat. We talked about it earlier. He's in a lowly division. No offence to uh, Jim and Steph. But he comes up against both of those teams twice more over the next five weeks. They're combined for 2-14 and on the year. So if he can run the table and get to eight wins, who knows? It's it's anyone's game, and as you said, Ben, fantasy is a is a funny funny old thing, and I think there's plenty to play out here. To be honest, um, particularly with the San Diego Demons, Dobbins was quietly elevated off the taxi squad for for Camo. He just let that one slip through the keeper and started him, and he performed nicely for him um, after buy. I think there's a bit of a trend here as well with a lot of these rookie running backs post buy. I think teams are taking stock and 
early on without preseason games, a lot of these rookies weren't getting a heap of work. You think of like Swift, um, Dobbins certainly, um, even Acres was used a bit more last week coming off there or nearing their bye. Um, so it's taken a little bit of time, but these rookie running backs are starting to hit their hit their straps, I think. Um, and certainly, as I as I touched on at the top, the fantasy gods were on Camo's side this week as the first sub hundred score he has faced all year, um, and he got the W. As for the dingers, I think he just had a bit of a bit of a shit week, to be honest. There wasn't you didn't get much out of his big guns in Thielen or Rojo or any of his running backs, and. Just a question to you, Hyde, about Hollywood Brown. How are you feeling about him? I was quite high on him as well entering this year, um, but Lamar's passing game hasn't been great and he just hasn't been getting going. What do you reckon? Oh, you're spot on. Absolutely. Um, it would help if his quarterback could hit him on a deep ball. Um, <laughs> that would that would go a long way. There's been a lot of um, long ones that have just been out of reach. But, yeah, he's it's a tough one. I, obviously very high, um, highly drafted player. Uh, and I, I just look at a turnaround, possibly. It's it's the classic squeaky wheel. He's put out the tweet straight after the game. He's not happy. Lamar's come out and said, that's on me. I'll get him the ball. His schedule is beautiful for the end of the uh, rest of the season. And who knows? His cousin's back, Antonio Brown. He might just motivate him to say that he's the best cousin out there on the field, Ben. I just want to make a point that uh, you can blame that Jackson's had a down year, but he's still averaging the same passing yards that he was in his MVP season this year, which is about 200-ish, 250-ish yards. So he's never done it on high passing yard volume. So um, I guess that was sort of what you were buying into. and There was the hope that, that maybe the passing yards would increase on this year, but they're looking to stay about the same. So... Yeah, as you said, he's got to hit him on those deep balls for him to be. He's a bit of that boom or bust type player, isn't he? It's yeah. an, absolutely, and it's an interesting one because Mark Andrews is well below where we'd probably expect him to be on the year. So the passing game's got a, a bit of improvement in it, I think. Yeah, yeah, and just just around this contest off, I think going forward we're going to see CMC and Godwin return to the lineup for the Dingers, which will be good. Um, and it will certainly ensure that he will be stiff competition to face going forward. Good one? No? no. Okay. Um, in terms of my prediction, I, yeah, I got this one incorrect. And I even said I didn't think we'd see Mahomes go off, which he did against the Jets. He had five touchdowns. Um, so <laughs> I completely whiffed on that projection. It's a, it's a double yeah, whammy. Thanks. Appreciate I it. I did say he'd score under 120, but anyway. Uh, moving on, OJ's, this was a stunner. OJ's legal team, just the 82.02 against the Bayside Executioners, flexing his muscles, 172.48. Um, this one surely has some ramifications on the power rankings, so stay tuned. A little bit of a teaser there. Stay tuned to hear about those power rankings in about five or ten minutes. We'll run you through them. A big 172 from the Executioners this week meant that he was the first Two-time top-scoring team on the year. So congrats to Scoot and the Bayside Executioners. On the other side, though, OJ, where are we? I've been informed that uh, 82.02 is the second lowest score in our league history. But uh, rest easy, lowest? Jake. Well, lowest was Manny with an 80 in week two or three, I believe. Yeah. Um, so he wasn't far off, though. So... Um, for a, for a big you, number, for the number gonna, one seed to... If you're going to get a low score, he, he does it well. 
Yeah. Well, for the number one seed, it was a bit of a shocker. Um, but I think he can rest easy because I, I can sense we're going to see a couple of Ashtons incoming over the next couple of weeks by another league member. <laughs> um, I think he knows who he is. Moving on to this game, Dalvin Cook, Devontae Adams and Jamal Williams in the one game combined for 89.6 points, which would have knocked um, Jake off outright. Um, and 47.6 from Cook was the highest score we've seen this year from an individual player. So um, just copped one of those weeks, I think. OJ's legal team was missing Hopkins, Brandon Cooks, and obviously Odell's out for the year. But other than that, he just had a bit of a poor outing with his wide, rece- uh, wide receiver depth being being challenged and will continue to do so going forward. Um, with that, he had to start Nelson Aguilar, which didn't end, end up too well with a big zizzle. Um, Zeke's now been ruled out for this week, uh, which means there might be a few objections with OJ's legal team being number one on the power rankings. Legal gag. Um, And I will say my prediction that Devante Adams would have another monster week and that Bayside executioners would squeeze out a win against OJ was bang on the money. Well, was it? You said squeeze out a win, which would imply that it was close. It was just a pun. It was the furthest thing from close. It was a pun. Shut up. All right. Very good. We'll move on to what we dubbed the stinker of the week, and that was the Stallions against the DFF. 130.64 to the Stallions taking down the... As always, sub 100 DFF with a 90.48. We mentioned that Sleeper were even trolling the Darnold owners out there, making a claim that you may as well get someone like Danucci and start... Is that his name? I don't even... I haven't given him that much notice. Start him as your QB. And so didn't scare Steph off. He started Darnold, who scored another 7.42. Just a lovely score that you want to see from a Q-back. But he... He uh, he outsmarted Sleeper because Danucci only scored a 5.4 this week. So DFF had the last laugh there, <laughs> didn't he? Hey? Um, we had a quote that came through from the DFF on the chat after the last pod went out. And it was, uh, just finished the pod. Some absolute outlandish comments made once again. End quote. Um, so I just want to know, DFF, what was the outlandish comment? Uh, or comments that you were touching on there? I mean, was it that we said that Jim could sit half his team and still win? Um, so I, I did have a look through that. AJ Green for Jim scored 2.9. Melvin Gordon, 7.7. Uh, Darrell Henderson, 6.3. Kirk Cousins, 10.4. Josh Jacobs, 12.9. That is half his team there. That's five players, which totals 40.2. And you know what? DFF lost by 40.16. So he's spot on. Mm. Outlandish comments that Jim could have sat half his team <laughs> and still won. Uh, he, he would have won by 0.04 if he had have done that. So <laughs> fair point there, DFF. I'll, uh, I'll eat my hat for, for making such an outlandish comment there. But Steph's team produced much of what we're used to. Lackluster scoring across the board. Um, he finally realised that it's a good idea to start a starting running back in the NFL. Uh, so he put Gio in and that actually produced well for him. So imagine if you left him off again. Uh, but enough time about the old rusty factory there. Jim's scoring's returned to uh, what he set out when he drafted his team. Gronk is starting to hit his strides. Keenan Allen, when healthy, is always solid. And De- Derek Henry's just getting it done every week. And Rogers is having a rejuvenated season this year. He's number four on the season for QBs. Um, and looking solid even in the Thursday night game that was played once again. So he'd have to be a little bit disappointed with how Jacobs is looking, though, with his number one overall pick. Um, 
looked incredible in week one, scored 33, and it's been a bit of a roller coaster since then um, in his scoring. So the silver lining for Jim, however, is that even with this um, probably subpar scoring from Jacobs, he's still number 11 RB on the season. So he'll be hoping that he can return to some of that early season glory, Hod. If I can just revisit the rusty factory uh, for one more moment, and hopefully it's the last time he's mentioned on this episode. But if you haven't noticed, we've, uh, after his, another comment he made last week, after the outlandish comments was he said, I may not be listening anymore. So I don't know if you've all noticed, but we've, we've mentioned him a lot in the front half of this episode to possibly get that result. Cause I think we'd be all in a better place if we didn't have those ears tuning in and <laughs> well, we could you know just what? go to town. We'll go back to the presidential election in the U S and uh, we're finally going to hopefully see and hear less of Donald Trump. Maybe we're going to see and hear less of uh, the DFF as a result. Only time will tell, hey? Only time will tell. We'll move on to the other match, though, which we dubbed the matchup of the week, which was the Prestige Worldwide, scoring 106.66, defeated by the straight cash homies, scoring 122.72. Firstly, though, before I get into any of this breakdown, I'd like to formally apologise Um, I did make a comment towards my analysis of Tim's team last week and said that he'd be relying on Kamara and Kyler once again. I had a bit of a brain fade in that moment and clearly overlooked the fact that Kyler was on by last week. Um, So what's that old saying, Hod? What's what's the old saying out there? Oh, what? You can't polish a turd. No, (laughs) that's not (laughs) what I was... Uh, no, I was looking for you get out what you put in. So I, I gave Tim's analysis as much prep as he gave when he came on the podcast last time. So apologies for that, Tim Oss. Good to know that you're still listening, though, out there. So let's actually get down to it. DK was a beast again um, and continues to troll Matty Mack this season. Dominates when Matt plays against him and stinks it up when Matt bets on him. Uh, so it was funny to see. Matt get burnt again by old DK Metcalf. <laughs> Kamara just continues to absolutely dominate. He's number one RB on the season. He's currently number four overall of all players. Um, and he's already had his buy as well. So his lowest score on the season is 18.8. That is as solid a player as you can get in fantasy. And he's only 25. Is that right, Keeney? Yep. 25, so in Dynasty Prospects, there's plenty yes, of good sir. years. <laughs> yes. yes, sir. <laughs> there we go. I got that one. <laughs> uh, Tim ripped out 120 with only one QB starting, which is pretty impressive signs for his list. And Zach Moss just sitting on his pine, had his best game for the season, scoring uh, 20. So I, Tim will be hoping that he continues to get that sort of runoff form for the Bills there and hopefully supplant Singletary as the as the running back there, which is kind of what everyone anticipated they drafted him for. Prestige Worldwide has been absolutely rattled, however, since the old hashtag Tonyan Gate, as I'm dubbing it, um, has gone three losses in a row after that happened. And after starting 5-0, and now sees his season sitting at 5-3. and So pulled out his second lowest score of the season in this matchup, which was a game that he would have been... It was the first divisional game. He was hoping to sort of supplant himself at the top of that division, and he's just choked it up a little bit there. Josh Allen continues to struggle. 
Um, and it's never a good sign for your team when you have to start a fullback in your running back slot, which mattered to do with old Kyle Juszczyk from the 49ers. But uh, one silver lining for Thais is that Corey Davis actually looked pretty solid for the Titans there. So, yes, oh, that's. Uh, I was thinking about this midweek. There was a little wager between Papper and Thais on Corey Davis versus Jonu Smith. I cannot remember any details. Oh, I remember it, it being the most confusing bloody it's, wager it's ever. A, it was average targets per receptions. and It was it was average air yards per minute the balls in the air, minus the catches, <laughs> minus the receptions, plus how many legs they have. It was ridiculous. There was that many elements to it. It's like, boys, I think it ended up being targets, just total targets. Average targets, though, wasn't it? Average targets. I think it was average targets per game. It was, anyway. I would say that (laughs) I haven't looked at it, but I anticipate Corey Davis, if it's average, is is coming out on top there. But predictions record, I know Hod wants to ignore them, but I'm currently sitting at 10 and 4. Uh, Hod has dropped to... A 507 and 7, and Keeney just uh, still tickling the 500 there, unders in 6 and 8. Oh, I said it with all due respect. No, that's, that's the wrong one. That doesn't mean you get to say what I thought. That's the power of love. Oh, shit. I'm as rusty as the factory. Can the listeners tell we're doing this on Sunday at 8 o'clock in the morning? We're just waking up. Sorry, guys. Yeah, no, and I just dropped an F bomb in the background there. I'll have to hear <laughs> that one too. Jesus. Well. Yep. All right, Hod. So now that I finally Hod. got the bloody soundboard out, kick us off with the bottom four. I'm just uh, before I do that, I'm just looking through the targets per game, and Corey Davis is up there at about eight and a half to nine, and mm. John who started well, but uh, it's dried up recently. So I think we all like John who in that bet, but. It's actually looking like Corey Davis is coming out on top. But um, where am I? Down the bottom. The third. Much, much like number 12. Yes. Topical. The DFF. No changes. Nothing to say. 12. 0 and 8. <laughs> Shit. 11. <laughs> Jim City Stallions. He's uh, not hasn't changed here again. Didn't we all agree he was a bit stiff last week? He's scoring all right. Um, but the, the league obviously doesn't want to move him up at all. Uh, the grouse is at 10. He's down from nine. Um, had a little bit of a, a high after last week or two win. It was a two win win streak, wasn't it? Can you? Mm. Or three. Three. Um, but back down to 10. And then the San Diego Demons have taken your spot and are at nine, previously ranked at 10. Yeah, absolutely. Just with And with Jim, as you're saying, he's only, I'm just looking at it now, he's only 70 points behind Papa for that sixth seed. So you're right. Like, I, yeah. And I think there's a lot of teams in this kind of hunt within 100 points of, at the moment, it's Papa that holds that sixth seed. So looking at their points four, um, it's still wide open for a lot of teams. I think except for the DFF, everyone else is still a chance. Well, it is ironic that Jim is probably not ranked correctly because... Having seen some of his rankings this year, <laughs> it's well. You you pulled out your suspect. first. You pulled out your first sub one hundred score, and he thought that was good enough to put you as the number one team. <laughs> love love very, you, Jim. It's very interesting. What I'm thinking is, Jim's not waking up at three a.m. to do his lineups. He's waking up to do his power rankings. <laughs> <laughs> I might get him to do the uh, soundboard next week. All right, let's move on to the middle 
resurgence and not a heap of change um, from our six to eight seeds. It seems pretty consensus at the moment. The Johnny United's haircut in at number eight has been tracking pretty well, but stay at number eight. Park City Lions up to five and three on the season and staying at number seven. Could they challenge for a playoff spot? And number six uh, is our current six seed. Pappas punishes, stays at number six. But the big faller of this week, and we did touch on it before, Ben, that is the Prestige Worldwide. A fall from grace, number two, all the way down to number five this week. Uh, moves to five and three on the season, and I've already been notified by the great man that he's moved to five and four. We haven't even played yet, but he's, uh, geez, he's real negative Nelly type of stuff. Oh, <laughs> Nelly. Oh, Nelly. Oh, goodness. He does, uh, yeah, he does get down on himself when things aren't falling his way. So he might be trying his absolute hardest to reverse Moz what's going on at Prestige Worldwide. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. We've got our top thirdrant here with the Humdingers just moving down a spot to number four this week. They did have their first sub-100 score, so that sort of makes sense that he dropped just a little bit but still strong enough to be in that top four. Straight Cash Homies moves up two spots, sitting at number three, which I still think is the uh, he's the silent assassin of the league at the moment, Timos, sitting there still only at number three in the power rankings, but look at his scoring. He is He's getting it done every week. He's one of the three teams yet to have a sub-100 score. Uh, number two dropped one spot for the first time. We, we have this bloke not sitting at number one, and that's OJ's legal team after their uh, shocking score of 87 or whatever it was. Uh, 82, I think, actually, yeah. this week. And for the first time, the Bayside executioners, he's up and about again. He's got his gifts out. He's got his, uh, he's got his mojo back, and Bayside executioners moves up three spots to sit at number one in the power rankings. Oh, well, I said it with all due respect. That, no, look, that doesn't mean you get to say whatever you want to say to me. It sure, sure as heck does. No, no, it doesn't it's mean that. It's in the that. Geneva Convention. Look it up. And with hitting the correct sound drop this time, Keeney, kick us off with our week nine previews. Well done, Ben. That was great. Smooth Thanks. Thanks. Uh, let's move to the first game here. We're looking at the Gym City Stallions here. They're currently two and six against the San Diego Demons at three and five. Whilst both teams haven't won that much, this is a bit of a big matchup, I feel like. We touched on it at the start. I think both these teams are still clinging to that hope to potentially read, uh, reach the sixth seed or maybe the, the maybe the three seed if something weird happens with Hodge team. Um, but I think they're both still in the mix for a wildcard berth here. Um, did we get a strong indication from Jim this week that he feels he is in that mix after acquiring some more depth with Emmanuel Sanders? It's an interesting time um, to grab him with the Saints offense looking to get a bit healthier. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how he is used once the Saints' offense uh, get into full swing. Looking through the lineup, so I think I was going through it, and I, I've got to say, I think Jim might be the healthiest team of everyone in this league. If you actually go through it, aside from say Geronimo Allison, <laughs> Jesus, and Alan Lazard, there's no really there's no other players that are really injured in this squad. The smile on the smile on his face right now for pulling off that gag. Jesus. <laughs> Loves a pull-off. Sorry, I enjoyed that one. Say Geronimo, Ellison. Um, but I'll tell you what, it's a pretty nice projection here forecasted for Jimmer in this week in the 140 range. Um, and he certainly started things off nicely with Aaron Rodgers, putting up 
close to a 30 burger to kick off proceedings in that Thursday night game against the Niners. Looking at Camo's squad as well, he's going to be missing Kareem Hunt, Jarvis Landry and Debo Samuel this week. And of course, it's hard for him to start Michael Gallup with everything that's going on at Dallas. Um, and all of those guys would have been week one starters for him. So with that happening, he's going to have to start to play some real kind of boom bust guys this week. So Nicole Hardman, uh, Aikens, a tight end from, from Houston and Randall Cobb, these kind of guys are in the lineup. So with that being said, I can see this being a pretty tight contest, but with the runs on the board early for Jimmo in that Thursday night game and a pretty healthy full strength lineup, I'm going to tip the Stallions here to trample over the top of the San Diego Demons. Nay. Before we move over. Nay. Um, before sorry. we move over, I, I, can I just point out um, DFF? I know that your number one sponsor at the DFF is WD40. Can you send out a? Uh, can you send out some of your products to Keeney, whose chair is just squeaking like a mofo at the moment as he moves around while he does oh, his recap? Jesus Christ, mate. We need some <laughs> WD40 sent his way because uh, that's offensive to the listeners' ears. Apologies. I'll try not to move so much. I get excited when I say puns, though. <laughs> you sure do. You can, you can yes, see sir. there's real chair movement. You can see there's real chair movement. <laughs> okay, let's go on to the next matchup, and that is the Johnny Unitas haircut sitting here at four and four, even off the ledger, nicely played against OJ's legal team at five and three now. Ooh. Tell you what, there's some, there's some ramifications in this matchup. Um, obviously, we've all got divisional games now, but uh, this one's pretty big for, for both teams here. Um, we, we know it's, it's going to be a pretty pivotal one going forward in terms of kind of how the playoffs will shape. And if, if OJ's dropped this one, five and four, favourite number one seed for many, many a week, be staring down the barrel a little bit. Um, could we see DJ Dallas, a little upgrade from Manny here from his taxi squad onto the main roster in this one. I know he's got him in a few other leagues and he was filthy last week that he didn't go and start him after the news of Chris Carson being out. But Chris Carson's out again. So I think it could be a chance here. And you really could make the argument that he might be the best Dallas player in the league right now. (laughs) (laughs) Not bad. That's really good. Whilst whilst Jake... Yeah, sorry. (laughs) Uh, whilst <laughs> it's no, we're, losing the, we're losing the bloody <laughs> righto. So whilst Drake's got some wide receiver help returning, he's got Hopkins and Cooks coming back into the lineup. Um, at the moment, it's the haircuts that are getting some wide receiver help, and that's the player he's been waiting for for quite some time returning, and that is Michael Thomas. So we're very excited to finally play him after week one. It's been a long, long time. Um, and it's also been a nice start from the haircuts with Jerick McKinnon uh, scoring a nice late TD. And I'll tell you what, the fantasy gods were not on Jake's side in this one. What a cut punch towards the end of that game. <laughs> Complete blowout in the Niners-Packers game. He gets a dodgy little TD rush right at the end there in absolute garbage time. Looking through this matchup as well, just before I finish, it's a nice little QB block here from me, um, having Russell Wilson to potentially counter any of that Tyler Lockett explosion that we can sometimes see. Who knows kind of when it's going to happen. But if it does, he's got some um, a bit of a counter there having Russell Wilson in at QB. And the news coming through that Zeke's out is also another big blow for OJ's legal team here. One other thing I saw, which I thought was reasonably curious, was the fact that he's, he's turned to Drew Locke this week. 
So let's just see how that plays out. He played well last week, but before that, he hadn't been a, that great. So it's an interesting decision from Jakey Boy. Um, but going to my prediction, I think the haircuts will give OJ's legal team a close shave and just win this one. Ooh. Wasn't my best, but... Your, your puns are getting out of control. However, I have just noticed... We interrupt this program for an important news announcement. Oh, my God. There is some breaking news in the league, oh. and that is couldn't have come at a better time as you reviewed the uh, sensible haircuts. But six minutes ago, the sensible haircuts, he has released Daryl Williams, guys. So just in case you were wondering uh, <laughs> what's going on with Daryl, uh, yeah, Manny has released him six minutes is ago. That a, is that a further indication that DJ Dallas is coming up? Oh, yes. He's coming up pink style. Um, we'll move on. To... <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Woo. Um, oh. We have got, we have got the matchup of the, uh, we've got the matchup of the grouse at three and five, taking on the reverse standings prestige worldwide at five and three. And we did make mention earlier that the prestige is just, he's, he's reeling at the moment. He's 0-3 in the last three weeks, and he's trying to do everything in his power to reverse Moz this one. He's already claimed it's game over against a team that put up 80-something points last week. Um, however, it's been, a, it's been a hard-hitting affair as they've both had a player play on the Thursday night game. Keeney started Jermichael Not-So-Tasty, who had four carries and scored a whopping 2.3. And Matty Mack has... He's gone... He's, Gone back to the well in old hashtag Tonyan gate um, and started Tonyan back in his wide receiver slot. Uh, so he's currently sitting on 1.5, but that will have to be adjusted to a one. So hopefully this is not breaking news to you, Thais. We're laying it out there nice and early. You will lose half a point as a result of doing this. Um, so hopefully this game's not decided by under a point again. Keeney, what did you want to add? No, I was just going to add with, with Hasty and the Niners backfield. It's an absolute... Who knows what's going to happen? It's just bloody Russian roulette. You don't actually don't know who's going to start for him. I thought it was a nice matchup, and even we know how Thais loves the reverse Moz technique. It's probably mm-hmm. his number one move in in all of fantasy and life. In life, in life. <laughs> <laughs> but he did note he did note to me before that game that Hasty's over under was ninety and a half rush yards, which I thought straight away. I thought, gee, that's a bit high. And he goes, he's a lock to go over. I'm like, okay, mate. A lock. Wow. Well, righto. No, he was close to that line. Um, but you're right. It is a bit of a it's roulette with that backfield, much like, as we said, the Patriots. It's just whoever is the hot, hot hand for the day, they tend to feed it. Um, Matt does, looking through, Matt has some pretty juicy matchups this week with Josh Allen. Um, Robinson has a good matchup. So does Antonio Gibson. So he's got some nice starters there, hoping to get them back to their high scoring form that they showed early in the season. And for a team that was stacked at QB, Matt's forced to start only one QB this week. Uh, So he will be hoping that Josh Allen returns to that early season form because he's currently got uh, obviously Dak on IR, which hurts his team stock. And there's no coincidence that his team struggled since that's happened. Um, Josh Allen underperforming in scoring, Jared Goff's on bye, and Minshew is out with an injury as well right now. So for a team that was looking nice and healthy with his QB stocks, he's down to just one at the moment because that's how fantasy rolls. Um, Keeney will be hoping that Tua 
gets far more involved and hopefully the game script allows him to throw the ball this week and show what he's actually capable of. And with Drake out this week, Edmonds uh, officially gets the start for Keeney and has a good matchup against Miami. So this could be a nice little matchup on Keeney's side there. But if I have to go for a prediction, I will say that... um, that the Prestige Worldwide will check their portfolios, put on their black leather gloves and squeak out a win and get back into the W column this week against the Grouse. And we'll move on to our four and four humdingers against the 0-8 DFF. Um, Yeah, there's not a lot that I really have to say about this one. Um, what analysis can I possibly give? The bloke has no QBs to start this week, as we said earlier. And when he was starting QBs, he actually sucked. So I, I don't think this needs any more time. We've got, oh, if I have to say anything, CMC's back for Hod. Welcomed return. Darnell Mooney. I'm a bit interested, Keeney, to get your thoughts on this one. It's For me, this is, I, I seem to always be commenting on some warnings for Steph and his roster construction, but he's currently got a bloke scoring 15 on his taxi squad. He clearly can't score well anyway with the players he's got. And he's got a spare bench spot that that taxi squad player could just nicely sit on. So is this a situation where Steph is cooking the books of his max potential scoring? Give us your thoughts, Keeney. Yeah, it's an interesting one with the obviously the, the bottom six uh, players being graded on their max points as, as to where they finish uh, from a draft lottery point of view. Um, with the taxi squad stuff, I'm okay with it. Um, I think the taxi squad is there for rookies to sit there um, and just develop. I understand that the point is that he's got a spare bench spot. He's not scoring that well. He, Darnell Mooney would probably be a lot better than half the players he's trotting out there. Um, but because it is the taxi squad where you're eligible to do that, I think that's fine. Um, I can see both ways, but I'm, I'm okay with it. Um, if he wants to um, score poorly and pay his entrance fee and have no chance of getting top scorer of the year, um, then so be it. Good luck to him. Um, it'll be another year before Mooney has to come off and then he can make a decision. Um, but yeah, I'm okay with it. What do you reckon, Hod? Just from a neutral bystander? I reckon we move on as fast as possible. <laughs> No, but in all seriousness, do you have an no, opinion on it? I mean, yeah, it won't no affect issue, you. No issue at all. Um, okay. we, we've been given five spots in the taxi squad to use how we like. So, yeah. Fair um, enough. Play on. And uh, I suppose my final prediction here is that uh, I reckon we could see... We had a letter to the members come out from the DFF. I reckon there's a chance to have more grammatical errors in the next one than he puts up points this week against <laughs> the Humdingers. <laughs> where he outlined uh, various things such as winning multi-championships. I don't know if he's like doing multi-bets rather than actually trying to win multiple championships. Um, he's, he's outlaid the footprint that's needed to win. I don't know what he's doing with his blueprints, but he's got a footprint, so that's good. Um, and he talks about how the Darnold is absolutely in their future there. So... Good luck, DFF. But we'll move on to some... Oh, actually, I've got to give a prediction officially, don't I? Um, I don't know. Dingers to dong the factory. I didn't come up with a pun this week, but... <laughs> <laughs> that's that's as far as I... 
Anyway, that, move on. It's funny. That would have been Keeney's best line of the episode. Oh. <laughs> but uh, we'll, we'll move on to your Park City Lions, Ben, up against the juggernaut in the executioners. This one looks to be a high-scoring affair. A lot of good matchups for both teams. Uh, Scoot has started beautifully with Devontae Adams scoring 28 points uh, on Thursday Night Football. And it's looking like Stafford will travel with the team, Keeney tells me, and will play. So he will look a lot better in the Superflex spot than Tony Pollard, uh, who has been pretty solid, but up against the Steelers' D. Um, so that should be a welcome addition. And Scooter's heating up at the right time, it seems. And uh, I think we'll continue on his winning ways here. But we'll move on to the matchup of the week. And we have the straight cash homies at six and two up against the Pappas Punishers, five and three. I'm loving this divisional schedule that you you masterminds have come up with here. It's shaping the year very well. And this one's uh, a huge game, really, for this division. It's a battle of the heavyweights. And I say this because they both like to target each other's weight in everyday life a lot. <laughs> so on paper, though, Timos has some tough matchups, uh, but week in, week out, he, as you mentioned earlier with the scoring, Ben, he has proven these don't mean much. Uh, Kamara comes up against a tough Tampa D and uh, will be interesting. He's probably been a beneficiary of Michael Thomas being out the whole year, receiving the short yardage uh, targets. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out with Thomas back. Uh, Evans is on Lattimore, which is always a very heated battle and Lattimore's got his number quite regularly uh, in the past. Tanhill up against Chicago and Irv Smith is playing against Irv Smith. So that's not a great matchup, but uh, Diggs and Claypool, uh, there's some mouthwatering ones for Tim. So uh, I still think he'll score very well um, despite any matchups that might look difficult. But it is worth noting that Tredavious White does return for the one-on-one duel with Metcalf. So that's two of the game's best, uh, which will be an interesting showdown there. So Paver, on the other hand, does have a lot of green in his starting lineup uh, this week. Brady against the Saints uh, with the full arsenal, as we've spoken about, with Brown returning. Uh, Justin Jackson gets a nice matchup against the Raiders. Marvin Jones without Golladay uh, is a plus, and then he gets Mini as well. And David Johnson against the Jags should uh, look to produce some scores there. So in saying this, um, my predictions have been an absolute formula for success um, going off these matchups that I like to dig into. So I will predict Papa to win this. So congratulations to Timos for moving to <laughs> seven and two as Siri wants to get involved in this one as well. What's her prediction? Um she predicted that the crystal ball segment is up next. Back to the future! Ow, my balls! That is correct. <laughs> She's so wise, that Siri. It is. She knows all. But uh, yes, we've got one this week. And it's it's been mentioned a bit already on the pod, but I will ask as a crystal ball, where do the dolphins stand with Tua? Because 
it's been well documented that they they were going to always play tour after the bye, which was originally week 11. So the Dolphins will come out and they'll say that, yeah, we're just sticking to that plan. It moved to week seven because of COVID or whatever reason. But it's 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 just a very bizarre situation. And I I can't help but think that the Dolphins as a business need to do their due diligence and give Tua as much time to see if they actually think he is the franchise quarterback. So I I think there might be some truth to this. Uh, He looked very much like a game manager on the weekend. Um, And that's, that's, that was his comparison. It was Drew Brees coming out of college. Um, But he doesn't have a Sean Payton there like Drew Brees has. And I I just think with the amount of assets that the Dolphins have, they currently have Houston's top pick, which is looking like a top five. I think bringing this forward has a bit to do with wanting to uh, see if this is their franchise quarterback. And that might seem silly, but the Arizona Cardinals did it not very long ago with Josh Rosen and then moved to Kyler Murray when the opportunity presented. So it'll be a really interesting one um, to watch how this plays out. And we'd, we'd hope um, for Tua's sake that he, he does turn out to be what the Dolphins aspired him to be. What are your thoughts on this one, boys? And, and I'd be keen to know what Chris thinks. Give us yeah. first. As the, as the owner, Keeney, let's kick off with you. Well, I think... I think this is in the wrong category. This is in overreaction, isn't it? Gee whiz, <laughs> far out. Just take a breath, mate. Have a lie down. It's going to be okay. Jesus Christ. It was all year last year, it was tank for tour. And after 30 minutes of NFL action, it's trade him out. He's Josh Rosen the second. Where are we? It's, a, it's an interesting point. I Look, they took him at pick five in the draft. I, I'd be stunned if they went down that road again. I think um, you don't take someone that early if you're going to bail on him. I understand the comparison, but um, after after one game where their defense dominated, you know, they're playing against a pretty good defense with Aaron Donald. And I think, I think we revisit this after this week. Um, I think there was a few circumstances where their defense kind of got them a, a nice early lead and, he wasn't asked to do much, really. So that that's a that's a positive spin for someone who owns him. Um, I, I I take that on board, but um, I think give it more than sixty minutes of football before we start trading. So, so your overreaction, you're giving one more week, and we can make our mind up. I love it. I know. I, <laughs> well, I think you'll bit... get a more. I think you'll have a more um, more clarity around it after another week. I think just I, relax. I th- absolutely agree that I think that. I mean, this is sort of the hot take on a lot of uh, programs that are trying to sort of uh, crystal ball, like Hod's doing here, what's what's the rest of the season look like and what are they going to do because they were travelling so well. He comes in, he goes 12 for 22, 93 yards, you know, doesn't look great. But as you said, Keeney, they had two defensive touchdowns. I think any game where that's the case, it's pretty comfortable and the quarterback just has to game manage. So you're right in that this week they're playing a team where he should hopefully uh, look far more impressive. They're playing, is it Arizona this week? Yep. Arizona, whose defense hasn't been solid against quarterbacks all year. So if he doesn't look impressive this week, um, 
there might be a few more alarm bells, but I think it's absolutely early days. And this is a guy who was considered one of the best college quarterbacks until old uh, Trevor came along. So I know he had an injury, but I think pump the brakes a little bit there. Hod, give us your last thoughts. Well, I just, I know you two are big on the assets and they will still get a ton for him if they did decide to move him after one season. So he still holds enormous value for them to move. I just wonder whether Burrow and Herbert, they look like the dynamic quarterback that can make things happen um, and worthy of a, a really high pick, where if you've got a game manager, then that needs to be a really good situation for that to really flourish. So I just wonder um, if those two quarterbacks and how well they're doing are going to put the pressure on Miami to see what they have here. But it all could just be the real crystal ball is I've got an infatuation with Big Fitzy. And I don't know if you all saw him in the very short tights, his big quads at practice. He's raring to go for someone. He's, he's not happy about this and neither am I. He should still be starting for this franchise as they are well and truly in the division race. Can, can I say they did win, yeah? It, this sounds like they got beaten by 50. <laughs> like they won. Um, you illustrated and, how they won, though, on the back yeah. of the other side of the ball. Yeah, but you've also illustrated that he's worth a lot of assets. So if he's worth a lot of assets, isn't he good? Like, why would he be worth much if he was no good? No, that's just that's just draft capital. That's, so draft that's why any first, worth round, much. Any, any first round pick has capital to be able to move. So Josh I, yeah, I think they would be, even if he did this performance for the rest of the season, I think they would be absolutely insane to move him on after only one year, even if Trevor Lawrence fell in their lap with that Houston pick. So I think it's pretty rare that, one, he'll continue this form. I think he will show what he's capable of in the coming weeks. But I also think it's pretty rare that they'll move on from a highly touted player in Tua. But we'll stop it there because we've hit the hour five mark and we could be going back and forth on Tua all day long. Um... Thanks again, boys, for another good week. Remember to tune in uh, for another EDL pod in the coming week. We've got Instagram and Twitter at EDL pod. Go check out some of the memes that drop there. And it is, once again, as you pointed out earlier, Hod, it's absolutely just heating up for a fun finish to the year, having our divisional games back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Um, you know, a team like OJ's legal team who were looking pretty as that solid number one seed are now potentially not even looking to win their division with someone like Scoot hitting form right in the divisional game. So it'll be interesting the following weeks to play out, see where all these seedings start to land. Absolutely. And just to close off from me, for the last time, it's the last time you hear it, but the trade deadline is on the 13th of November, uh, which is before the Friday night game. So just be aware of that. This time next week, the trade deadline will be locked, will be out. So your team will be set going into playoffs. So there's already been a couple of moves made. So make sure if you're interested in making your team better. Check out the the trade. Check check out the trade block. Some some people have used that. So a huge advantage the trade block is, but uh, no, good week, boys. Good animated discussion, Keeney. A bit sensitive about to huh. there. I like it. Nah, that's good. But uh, yeah, best of luck to everyone other than the DFF. 
Tua in the Stink podcast. Over and out. (laughs) Didn't see that coming. Uh, Very good.